0: Okay, awesome. I'm glad to see you here tonight. If I haven't met you, I'm Donna. We've just been having the most wonderful series of changes. <laughs> it was like, stay tuned, guys. You have to stay tuned. That's why we need to have your email address and your, your current mailing address, because things are literally changing day by day around here. Oh, But it's, it's a good time. It's good. If you would open your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy, chapter 8. We're going to look at this passage in the Old Testament. You know, the Bible teaches us that these things were written for our instruction. There are things we can learn, not only from the events, but from what God told people way back when. And this particular setting in Deuteronomy 8 is right when the Israelites have been in the wilderness, wandering around the desert for 40 years. You know, they were delivered from Egypt, all the plagues, all that. They've been out there for 40 years, going through all kinds of testing and trial and all kinds of dramatic events over 40 years. And so they're just about to finally enter into the land that have been promised for all this length of time. You know, most of the people, let's say all of them, were were young. They were under 40 years old and younger, except for Joshua and Caleb. And so they didn't even remember anything about, you know, Egyptian slavery, because all they had known was being out there in the desert for all this time. And so Moses is speaking to them just as they are about to go into the Promised Land. And so it's like his final speech. And understand, Moses is the oldest guy there. He's the one that's been around. And Moses is highly respected and highly loved. And so everyone has looked to Moses. These guys, all their lives for 40 years, it's been Moses. He's been the chief leader, whatever he says is supposed to go, and that sort of thing. And so he is speaking to them. It's a very important message that he's given right before they go into the promised land. You know, it's really interesting if you do a study of the scripture about the last speeches that were given, you know, the last words of Jesus before he went to the cross, the last words of Moses. You know, you think about it. If you know this is the last time you're going to speak to these people, you're going to, have, you're going to let them have everything you got, aren't you? Because you know it's your last chance. You don't want them to forget what you're going to say. So we're going to start looking at Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. Moses is talking. All the commandments that I am commanding you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let your let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Let's stop there for a moment. You know what, folks? We need to have a mature understanding of when God is dealing with us and bringing us through a process. God says right here I mean, the Lord is saying that he deliberately took 40 years that he might humble them, that he might teach them some things. He deliberately let them go hungry to bring them into a place of giving them manna. You know what, folks? We need to be like Moses. The Bible says that Israel knew his acts, but Moses knew his ways. And you and I need to mature in a relationship with God where we don't just know him for what he has done for us or done for other people, but we begin to understand the workings of God and why he does things a given way. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to get offended, you're going to get your nose out of jointed, and some people don't walk with God anymore because they don't understand what God was after. But God had a purpose in 40 years of humbling people and letting them go hungry. Selah. Some of y'all have had some prophetic words that you have been wondering, why in the world has this thing not happened? And God is deliberately teaching you patience, teaching you faith, teaching you perseverance, teaching you to overcome. You see, we don't need little hothouse flowers. We need people with some roots that go down deep, some people who are able to stand and to endure. It also says he fed them something they didn't even know what it was. The word manna means, what's that? (laughs) That's what it means. Because they said, you're supposed to eat that. What's that? So we called it, give me some of that what's-its for dinner. And so what's it? What's that? I have some it's thank you. Now, understand, they had this stuff every day. Y'all know what it's like after Thanksgiving when you bought too much turkey? And what happens? We have turkey cacciatore. We have turkey wings. We have turkey pizza, turkey sandwich, turkey salad, turkey surprise, turkey whatever, right? What happens after a while, don't you get a little tired of turkey? After a little while, all right, the Israelites got a little tired of the same old, same old. Here we go. What's for breakfast? Manna. What's for lunch? Manna. What's for dinner? Let me guess. Manna. What's for dessert? Manna. Some of you may remember the singer Keith Green years ago. He did a song about this for going back to Egypt, and one of the things he talked about was manna burgers, you know, (laughs) trying to come up with creative ways to cook manna. And this, to a people who came out missing watermelons, onions, all that kind of good spicy food, you know, all those rich flavors, and here they are with manna. Manna was plain. It was monotonous, but it was nutritious. Hmm, How many of you have had spaghetti more than one time in your life? Have you had steak more than one time in your life? Right? Do you know there are things that are good and healthy for you to eat more than one time? You know, there's a crop of Christians from time... Somebody told me this last week. Well, why should I go to church? I've heard it all. Well, first of all, that's a wrong attitude because you hadn't heard it all. And second of all, just because you heard it one time doesn't mean you're living it. For somebody who says, I've heard all then how come you're not more like Jesus? I know people that think they know the Bible, but they don't act like Jesus. That means the Word has not yet been made flesh, folks. When the Word is made flesh, you will look like, behave like Jesus. So so we've got one year, two years, three years of the same food. You know that God tested them by not giving them any variety? Are you listening? Sometimes God deliberately gives you the same food over and over and over again to make you grow up and to make it fleshed, fleshed out into your life. You know? That's just something that thought I'd toss in because it was brought up to me last week. So, but he says, He fed you with manna. He humbled you, let you be hungry. Fed you with manna, not necessarily what you wanted to eat. You know, I don't think if you got really hungry that you wake up and go, well, I'd really love some manna right now. How many of y'all ever fasted and really wanted some manna? <laughs> you know what happens when I fast? I want tacos. I always, fa- I always want tacos if I ever fast, you know. So I never once have just fasted, you know, and wanted just get me some manna. <laughs> He says, why did he do this? That he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by what God chooses to provide. Every word that comes out of his mouth. There are sometimes God deliberately has put you in a season where he has chosen things for you that are good for you. They are nutritious. They'll grow you up. But it's not necessarily the fanciest thing ever. It's not necessarily the best thing that you thought you were going to be getting. Let's move along to verse 4. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His His ways and to fear Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Hallelujah. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills. A land of wheat. And they're going, what's that? And barley, what's that? And vines and fig trees and pomegranates. Pomegranates, what's that? All we know is manna. You know that God will prophesy and promise things to you that seem too good to be true and things you don't even know what they are. But, He says, it's going to be good. You're going to like it. Okay, but all I know is manna. All I know is same old, same old. All I know is dull, boring, monotonous. Nothing's getting any better. And God says, hang in. I'm bringing you into something wonderful. A land of olive oil and honey. Verse 9, a land where you will eat food without scarcity in which you will not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Folks, we need to bless the Lord on every occasion. You know, every occasion. For one thing, I'm thankful we haven't been eating anything but manna for 40 years. I thank God for tacos. All right? But, but seriously, bless the Lord for His goodness on every occasion. Moses is reminding people, when you are coming into your blessing when you are receiving the very things God has promised you, don't forget to give thanks. Don't forget to bless the one who's made it all possible for you. This is an important message because you know what? Moses knows how people are. He's dealt with this crowd for 40 years. He's watched them, you know, be very fickle in their allegiance to the Lord. And so he says, when you are coming into these good things, remember it's the Lord that brought you. Give thanks and bless him for everything that he has given to you. Verse 11 Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, what I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You know, you read that and you think, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But you know what? The the pattern is, human nature is that in times of abundance, people forget God. As long as they're having to believe God for every paycheck, believe God to get the rent paid, believe God to have groceries on the table, man, their devotions are intense and strong. They're in church every time the doors are open. But once money comes in, things up a little bit, human nature, people tend to get slack and lazy, and they tend to forget where their goodness has come from. You know, you watch people, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it, have somebody barely scraping by, I mean, not making it. And then God moves upon their life and things change. They get the job. They get the promotion. They get whatever. Their inheritance comes through. Anything that happens to bless them. And then all of a sudden they quit coming to church. They quit their devotions. They quit volunteering. They quit. It was like you, you stopped doing the things that got you to the provision. You know, we've seen it over and over again. It's like, guys, we need to continue even much more doing the things that we were doing before their provision came in. You know, when people have no pressing needs, sometimes they get fat and sassy. You know, well, you know, it doesn't matter. My needs are met. I'm good. Why bother? You know, it's like I've had people say, well, you know, why should I go to church? You know, my needs are met. Well, selfish person. There are other people whose needs need to be met you know? How about showing up for somebody else? How about doing so because God commands it? How about that? You know? Not just because it's all about me. You know what? As Tracy was talking other um, earlier, we're in a society that, and the culture is pushing on us this thing about me, 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 me. It's all about you, you, you. And that is so not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is just all about everybody else. And so if your needs are all met, You're healthy. You got peace in your home. You got money in the bank. Everything's going on. How about coming and being a blessing to somebody else? How about coming and encouraging somebody else who's hanging by a thread this week? Even if you don't have to know what's going on, what about your spiritual gifts God's putting inside of you? Ah, that's all right. Don't prophesy. Hello. I trained a lot more people than me. You know, you don't leave your gifts at home, right? You bring them. And say this is part of being a child of God, right? But so many times, if people don't have a pressing need, they become insensitive to everybody else around them and they become ungrateful. You know, the Bible says in the last days people will be ungrateful. You know what, folks, we need to remember the hungry years. Remember how God was faithful. You know, there were times that God told the Israelites to make a memorial. Build a memorial of stones so that when your children come by later and ask, you can say, this is the place where God came through for us. This is the place where we met the enemy, but God gave us victory. Folks, there are places in our lives that you and I need to point back to and say, I almost died, but God delivered me. My kid, you know, almost ran, you know, wound up in jail, but God delivered him. I had this disaster, but God came through. Or God preserved my family when everything else around us was falling apart. We need to look back on our lives and say there were times when I was being humbled by the Lord, I was being disciplined, and maybe I was a little hungry from time to time, and things didn't go the way I expected, but I did learn that God was faithful. All of us need to have the testimony of our own lives. So we can look at you now and say, okay, maybe today everything is absolutely wonderful in your life, but do you remember when it wasn't and when God was still faithful? Amen? You know, I, there was a song years ago a guy was singing about I Miss the Hungry Years. And I was thinking about that, that there's something a little bit more precious when you're having to really push in and believe God and the devil and your fears are just battling over your mind and your emotions are getting stirred up and you're having to lock down with God and the Word of God and the Spirit of God and say, I'm going to get through by your grace. There's some sweet victories that come through from that time. And I'm telling you, as I've watched some of you guys just really labor through and push through. I want to exhort you, remember those battles. Remember those times because you know what? It's not always going to be this hard. There's going to be some things you're going to walk through and the, the, the coming <clears throat> blessing is going to make, make the pain of the past seem very distant. But in that time of God's blessing to us, let's always remember from where we came. Let's remember how it used to be. You know, there was a time that Saul got the big head. Y'all remember King Saul? He got the great big head. And what did Samuel tell him? He said, it was different when you were small in your own eyes, before you were the hot shot. Folks, you got to have a humble attitude that remembers before. See, and we joke and we tease each other. We say, see, I knew you when you weren't a millionaire. You see, I knew you when. And we joke and we tease about that stuff. But the truth is, we really do. I've got friends and family, people I've watched scrape by and just see, you know, just difficult tears fighting through to believe God, hard things pressing in, yet I will praise Him. Hands lifted up and praising God, tears running down the face, not because of being moved upon, but out of desperation that you're all I've got, God. I remember those things. You know what? And God has been faithful through every season. And so when we come into the present season of blessing, let's remember where we came from. Amen. Let's look at verse 15. It says, He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness He fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that He might humble you and that He might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you might say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. You know, folks, I can testify to you that God has been faithful, that He has been faithful. The Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed out begging bread. And there have been some times, you know, we didn't get paid. But you know what? God brought provision anyway. I've watched it over and over again to where it's almost like, well, it's okay because God's faithful. It's going, to be, it's going to be taken care of. And sometimes not always the way that you want, the way that you like. Most of you all know me. I like things done last week. Um, you know, patience is something that I have definitely grown in a lot over the years. I've been walking with God and especially this past several months. My patience has been stretched like it probably never has been in my whole life. You know, but the Bible says, let patience have its perfect work, right? That you may be entire wanting nothing. So I have deliberately, on purpose, conscientiously practiced patience so that I had the perfect work and wind up not wanting anything. That's good. You know, you can choose to be patient. I mean, you have to choose. Let's face it. You have to choose. Anybody can be impatient, right? You have to choose to be patient. It doesn't mean you feel like being patient. It means you back up, take a deep breath, and say, Okay, God's at work. We're not going to get aggravated about it. Right? We're just going to press in, believe God. It's going to be okay. All right. Verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who has given you power to make wealth that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Moses makes such a point of the necessity of remembering in connection with the con- the covenant. The covenant is the word for contract. There is a contract that God has made with his people. And not in only all, in all says his people, but he made it with his fathers. That means the ancestors. God cut a con- A covenant a contract with their ancestors but because the way covenant works is generational so therefore because of the promise he made to their forefathers he's going to come do right by them that's pretty good right but he says you need to remember God's doing this not because you guys are so wonderful but because he made a covenant when God makes a promise he doesn't back off you see and so when God says there are things that God does in your life and my life not because we earn it, not because we deserve it, but simply because of covenant. Come on, did anybody deserve to get their sins forgiven? Of course not. Why are our sins forgiven? The covenant that we have in Jesus Christ, ratified by the blood, right? So Moses says over and over, you need to remember. You need to remember. You guys have a connection. Remember, it's the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth. He's talking to a bunch of people out there in the desert who've eaten nothing but manna for 40 years. What do they know about getting wealth? They've been out there kind of isolated for all this time. He says, but you are about to walk into your blessing. The very thing that's been prophesied, the very thing that's been decreed, you are just about to step into it and understand God has given you the power to get wealth. When you walk into the promised land, you'll no longer be vagabonds, but you'll be people who are inheriting the promised land, and that means all the wealth of the land with it. Folks, you're about to walk into your promised land. You're about to enter into the very things God has prophesied and decreed. So therefore, remember, God is the one giving you the power to get wealth. And the reason is not because you're such a hot shot. The reason is because of his covenant. Yes. Yes. Amen. So therefore, that's a position of humility. Why should God do this for us? I don't know about you, but my mind has been tilting the last few months. Tilt, tilt, tilt. The question keeps coming up in my mind, who am I? Who am I? Tilt, tilt, tilt. Guess what? It ain't about who I am. It's about His choice. It's about election, something that completely humbles me. Because this is not something that you and I earn or deserve. It's His choice. God has decided to make us prosperous. I'm actually glad about that. How about you? (laughs) How many of you think we could learn something from this passage here tonight? Because just as Moses told the people, you need to remember God because you're about to enter into something. I'm telling you, you need to remember God because you're about to enter into something. All right. Why do we have a covenant with the Lord? We have an we have a covenant, right? We have an agreement with God. God has determined to deal with us based upon the virtue and the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't deal with us according to what we deserve, but according to the covenant. The Bible says we have a better covenant than that that Abraham had, which was pretty good. All right? So why do we have a covenant with the Lord? Personal salvation is the very tip of the iceberg, That's just the small portion of it. That's just the beginning. Personal salvation. That's what most people think. comes to your mind. Why do I have a covenant with God? So I don't have to go to hell. So I can be born again. So I can, you know, go to heaven. That is the very tip of the iceberg, the beginning. God's covenant is to be confirmed and established in the earth. Not in heaven. It's to be established in the earth. So God has a agreement, a contractual agreement with us because he wants to establish something in the heaven, in in the earth. Quit trying to get to heaven. We need you here. Everybody who wants to be raptured out of here, might as well go ahead and die because you're taking up space. People quit having an escapist mentality. You know what? The earth desperately needs people who love God in the earth. The earth desperately needs people who are salt and light to teach them and to be, a, to be a channel of blessing for the Lord. The earth needs priests like you and me. Who's going to pray for those folks if we don't? Oh, I know, your, your mother-in-law, your lousy boss, your next-door neighbor. Who's going to pray for them if we don't? What hope do they have if we're not here? Come on, right? Some Aren't you grateful to somebody else because their prayer, their witness spoke to your life and brought transformation, right? You don't need to get out of here. You need to stay here and influence and be a priest unto God. The covenant is to be established in the earth. is to be a light to unbelievers and to be a positive influence on the culture. Not just to pray, but also to make them jealous, to make them envious. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? Have you given them anything to be jealous about? What's your life like? Is anybody envious of you? Well, they should be. We got, the, we got covenant with Almighty God, right? right? Come on. If a pagan comes up to you tomorrow and says, why should I quit serving these gods and start serving yours, have you got any evidence in your life that life is better with Jesus? Right. All right? That's what needs to happen. Salt and light have an influence, right? So our covenant is to be established in the earth. Why? Should God Prosper his people He says he's going to Prosper us To establish his covenant All right, So why do you need To be prosperous In the earth So you can drive A better car Live in a better Better neighborhood And send your kids To better schools Right Why Should God Prosper you I mean They got all that Prosperity in heaven Are y'all getting this Streets are paved With gold in heaven They use a pearl for a door in heaven. They got prosperity in heaven. God doesn't need to establish prosperity with us in heaven. God needs to establish prosperity with us here on the earth. So why should God do that? Folks, you and I have got to have a much bigger picture about why God prospers us. Most people, all they can think about is I need a better car and a better place to live. How many of you think that's true? Isn't that the first thing most people think? right? I got to pay off my bills. I'm going to live in a better house and drive me a nice car, right? What about after that? Why does God prosper you after that? Why? Because you know what? You and I are meant to be an answer for the world. Who's going to build the hospitals if not us? Who's going to build the orphanages if not us? Quit waiting on United Way and those guys. That's not their job, and it's not the government's job. It's our job. It's our job to build those things. Our job is to take our prosperity and to meet people's needs, whether it's spiritual needs, and yes, that means counselors, building churches, uh, preaching the Word of God, spiritual needs, cast out devils, whatever they need. Use our prosperity to meet their spiritual needs. How about using our prosperity to meet their physical needs? How about feeding some hungry folks? How about putting some kids in a warm bed at night? All right? How about people's social needs? How many of you met some people that need some social needs? <laughs> right? There are some people, they are antisocial. They have been broken, they don't know how to relate, and they're hurting inside. We need to be able to meet people's social needs, emotional needs, physical needs, financial needs. Your prosperity is meant to be a blessing to those people out there. What would Jesus do? When he saw needs, he met them. Right? This is what our prosperity is for. And if all you can see is I'm just going to get me a, a new house and a new car and, you know, a mink coat and a fancy computer, if that's the limit, then God's covenant is wasted on you because it's got to be more than about you. It's got to be about spreading that prosperity around and making the earth glad we're here. Terry quotes a verse a lot from Job that when Job entered the marketplace, the widows stopped crying. How many people are glad to see you walk in the door because you know that you've got the ability to meet their needs, not you're there asking for a handout or a preacher's discount? (laughs) Yep, they have that, preacher's discount. There's something that just hits me wrong about that. Why should I get a discount? Why shouldn't I be able to pay for mine and yours? <laughs> Once your immediate needs are met, your greater purpose needs to come into view. Why are you still on the earth? How come God's not taking you to heaven? Because we're intended to be a blessing to somebody else, right? The, Moses says here in verse 18, But you shall remember the Lord your God. What does it mean to Remember. According to scripture, the word remember is zakar, Z-A-K-A-R. It is more than recall. It is to retain in thought so as to tell someone who can take action. It's an intentional retaining in thought so as to not forget or neglect. Remember is not like, oops, I forgot, now remember. No, this is on purpose, intentional. I will not forget that. I many have you ever decided there's some things you're never going to forget? You know, your wife's birthday is one, you know, you're never going to forget that again, right? Why? You make an intentional decision. There are things I will remember. And so what if you have chosen to deliberately remember something, what are you doing? You're keeping that before your eyes. You're keeping it there. You maybe write, write yourself post-it notes and stick them on the wall because you're like, I don't want to forget that. So when it says to remember the Lord your God, this is not like, whoops, forgot, oh, now remember. No, this is I will not let myself forget. I will remind myself. I'll put myself in remembrance. I will bless the Lord all my soul and forget not his blessings. I'll deliberately, on purpose, rehearse and recite the Lord's blessings. That's what we're talking about. It is very intentional and deliberate. All right. To remember... If we are going to intentionally and deliberately remember the Lord, then that means an attitude of humility. An attitude of humility is to recognize it's the Lord's idea to prosper and bless us. It's His idea, right? It is the Lord's uh, power and His goodness to prosper us. We're recognizing this is not something we do by our own hands, by our own smarts, by our own hard work. You know, I've known people that worked very, very hard and are not prosperous. I've known people really, really smart and are not prosperous, right? But we understand that our prosperity comes from the Lord. And it's because it's His idea, His goodness, and His power. That is a position of humility. Because we are not such a thing as self-made men and women. We're not just people who say, well, I got it because I got my, you know, my MBA and my business contacts and this and that. That's not what it's about, you know? It's about if God doesn't prosper you, you don't prosper. If God doesn't add his blessing, all your hard work is for nothing. Right? The Bible says that unless the Lord build the house, they that, that labor, they labor in vain that try to build it, right? So we want God's blessing, and so that takes us to a position of humility so we can remember the Lord with humility. This is not what my hands have done. This is what your hands have done, O oh God. To remember the Lord is also to have an attitude of honor. Honor is a term that is used to express appreciation for what other people have done in your life. Not only for what the Lord has done, but the people that God has brought into your life. For example, these guys would not have made it out of Egypt without Moses. Right? I mean, they had to have Moses, and they had to have Joshua and Caleb, or they wouldn't have gotten there. So honoring the Lord means also honoring the men and women that God has brought into your life to bring you to your wealthy place. You know, we can't be like the people who, you know, once they got into the wealthy place, they forgot their mother, they forgot their pastor, they forgot the one that introduced them. You know, we got to be people that honor those who have brought us there. And what happens a lot of times is that a newer generation or a younger generation many times look with disdain on the older generation Oh, and the path they have carved before. But do you understand that we would not be here today if it had not been for those generations? You know, some of us came out of mainline denominations that do not walk in present truth today. But we don't cut them down and criticize them. They walked in what they knew. If it had not been for the foundation that they had laid for us, what would we have today? Right? I'm thankful for my Baptist background. It put a strong foundation on the inside of me. All right? They gave me the best they had. That's where they were. I got that. I say thank you very much. And I took it and went on with what else God had for me. All right? Honor is recognizing other people what they have done. I've heard so many people that have criticized the last generation of leaders in God's church. Folks, you and I don't know the things they've had to deal with. You don't know what devils they had to fight. You don't know the things they had to overcome. You know, sometimes we forget that, you know, a generation ago, you know, people a generation ago, there were things that, that were, there were laws in the country that were unjust. There were rioting and things that were happening. There was all kinds, of, you know, a hundred you know, years ago, you couldn't have had a racially mixed congregation. Not without having a lynch mob out the door somewhere. How many are you are glad for men and women who stood up for what was right? All right, so we don't have to mess with that kind of stuff. You know, that uh, a couple hundred years ago, if you spoke in tongue, they as- actually tarred and feathered you and rained you out of town. That's not a pleasant evening, right? You know, 500 years ago, they would torture you if you believed in baptism in water. There are people who are tortured, had their tongues cut out for believing in baptism in water. You know what, we don't criticize them because they came short in other areas. Instead, we are thankful for the things they did pioneer for us. Amen? And I'm thankful for all the mothers and fathers of the faith that we have had that have allowed us to stand upon their shoulders that we could walk in the places that we're walking in right now. So we honor them. All right? To to remember the Lord is also to have an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. And that means taking time to express it. Do you remember the story of the ten lepers that Jesus healed? He healed 10, but only one came back to say thank you. It's amazing to me how many people forget to say thank you these days. If we are remembering the Lord, then we are also going to cultivate an attitude of thankfulness to him. Thank God for His mercies are new every morning, and thankful for everything that has coming to our lives, right? Thank God that we're able to sit here and not worry about getting. Tired and feathered tonight. Amen? Thank God you got a warm place to, to sleep tonight. Hallelujah. Gratitude. Taking time to express it. To remember is also to have an attitude of stewardship. Stewardship is when we understand that everything in the earth belongs to the Lord. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Isn't that right? So you and I have been granted a stewardship that we get to maneuver and handle some of it. But the truth is, there's nothing of it that belongs to us. Even what you think is yours is not yours. Your children aren't even yours. They're lent to you from the Lord. You borrow them for a while. You get to have them for a little while. All right? Stewardship. Understand that we have been entrusted with treasure. An attitude of stewardship is also going to wind up affecting how you spend your money. Okay? Because if you've got money to spend... If you spend all of it upon yourself and none of it goes anywhere else, that's bad stewardship, right? There's always got to be an outflow, always giving to other people and other other um, situations. To remember is to have an attitude of diligence. To be diligent, understand that God has prospered us for a purpose let's not get slacky and lazy about it, but to make the most of every opportunity to use wealth to advance the kingdom. Jesus told a parable about that. To use, to use uh, money to make friends to win people to the Lord. You know what? Some folks, you need to take your money and have a neighborhood barbecue. Probably on Sunday morning because they're home anyway. Right? How many of you think that might be a nice way to start introducing your people to Jesus? Have them over for a barbecue, friendly barbecue, and don't preach at them. But show them you're a real person. Spend some of your money on them. Be hospitable. Use money to win people to Jesus. All right? And then an attitude of obedience. To remember the Lord is an attitude of obedience. He says here in and uh, this verse, to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes. If we're going to understand when the Lord says, remember him, it's not just think about him, but it's cultivate that humility, that gratitude, stewardship, diligence, and obedience. Obedience to the statutes and ordinances. What's that? What are statutes and ordinances? Those are rules, regulations, prescriptions, ways of doing things. We're not talking about Ten Commandments, per se. But there are other things that are lesser commandments than the Ten Commandments, right? There are lesser things that are ways of living that God has taught us in Scripture. For example, things like to give to other people, to forgive them, to be kind-hearted to people. There are ordinances and statutes such as water baptism. I mean, you know what? You, don't, you, can, you can go to heaven without it, but it is an ordinance that we need to keep, that we need to obey. And if we remember the Lord, then we're obedient in every aspect that He tells us to obey. Right? We don't just pick and choose. Okay? This includes things like baptism, communion. You know, communion, we need to observe from time to time we do. Just observe communion. It's a statute, an ordinance from the Lord. And so when we receive the Lord's Supper or communion... The Lord says for us to remember Him when we do so. So it's an active act of remembering the Lord in communion. We remember Him in baptism, in ways of living, in activities. Ordinances and expect, are also expectations. What, we ex, what is expected behavior of people who love God. There are certain things that are expected. Amen? So to remember the Lord also includes things like feeding on the Word of God. If we remember the Lord on a daily, regular basis, then we're going to participate in receiving spiritual food that's going to nurture us. And it can be manna. It can be plain. How many of you have ever read your Bible and it was just kind of plain and boring? Yes, on those manna days where it's just kind of dry. Manna, I've read this before. Okay, okay, okay. You know what? It's still spiritual food that will nourish you. Just because... You know, mama fix spaghetti again doesn't mean it's not going to nourish you, right? It's good spiritual food that we need to be able to take in, whether it's plain or whether it's fancy. It seems like lots of times now um, we're in a society here in America where, and particularly where we live now, my goodness, somebody's got a conference every week, if not three. We're in conference city, right? Everywhere you go, there's something going on. There are some people who have a conference mentality. They can't be bothered with the local church because they got to go to a conference all the time. Conferences are great occasionally, but there also needs to be the local church, you know, because a conference mentality is not real life. That's just like special stuff. Real life happens when you're with people that see you week after week. And week after week in local church is not always going to be all the hoopla excitement of a conference which is actually good because you can't live on that kind of adrenaline all the time. You know, you can live on so much, you get burned out just from going, 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 all right? Remembering the Lord is also choosing words of faith. Words are going to create, words are going to encourage and edify in casual conversation as well as prayer. There are times in the Old Testament when the Lord said, I heard what you said about me. I heard you talking and I heard what you said. There was a time he told the Israelites, your words, your acts are fine, but your words are stout against me. The words that come out of our mouth need to also glorify and edify the Lord. Instead of whining, complaining, and calling it prayer, right? Instead of all that stuff that's not, that acts like God's not here. You know, our speech should be completely different from somebody that doesn't know God because we have hope and they don't. And that when we remember the Lord in our speech, It glorifies him. It edifies other people. Remember the Lord also. Now here's a big one. Keeping the Sabbath. Do you know that other religions, other faiths don't have a Sabbath? But Judaism and Christianity have a Sabbath. And this is one to where when you get busy in life, you need to make sure that you keep a Sabbath. And let me tell you, there's two reasons. One is because you absolutely need it. Your physical body, your mental body needs it. You will break down if you don't have a Sabbath because you need the break, all right? And second reason is because God commanded it. I've known pastors that don't take a Sabbath. Church workers don't take a Sabbath. Business owners don't take a Sabbath. I'm telling you, you're in violation of God's law. And you need to remember the Lord. You remember Him because the Sabbath is something He commands, Jen was reading to me a scripture from Deuteronomy not too long ago, which really s- struck me. When the God had commanded the Sabbath, do you remember the reference? When God commanded the Sabbath, He said, "Also remember the Sabbath in times of plowing and in harvest." If you're a farmer, when are your busiest times of year? Plowing and harvest. How many of y'all know anything about farming and when the crop's ready? You don't have time to waste. You've got to get that thing out of the field because if you leave it in the field too long, what's going to happen? It's going to go bad. It's going to rot, right? You've got to get it out of the field. God who created agricultural cycles says, you will take a Sabbath in plowing and in harvest. So for everybody who's too busy to take a day off, the word of God is against you here, okay? All right? And I have known people that have said, I can't afford to take that much time off. My business will fail. The church will fail. This will happen. That will happen. But you know what? If you honored the Lord with your Sabbath, if you say, God, I am remembering you. You know how busy I am. You know what I got to do. But I am remembering you, and I'm going to keep this Sabbath. I think God's going to honor His Word to you. How do you keep a Sabbath? The Sabbath was you don't do the work you usually do. That's what a Sabbath is. It's a day of rest and relaxation. So you sort out all the details of how that works. But I have told some of our folks here who have gotten extremely busy here recently, I said, you fight for your Sabbath. You fight for it. Well, I ain't got time to take one. Look, if you don't take one, God's not going to bless what you're doing. And not only that, but you're going to be too fried to do anything. It's a truth. You can get too fried. Pastors, what do pastors do? For most pastors, not me, but most pastors, Sunday's a work day. So they have to find another day. And if your business or your job requires you that Sunday is a work day, then in my humble opinion, not according to thus saith God, but I just say, pick you another day. You know? Some people are real strict on that. It has to be the Sabbath. You know, well, if you're going to do that, that means Saturday, not Sunday anyway. So it depends on how you want to fight over it. Do you find it? Exodus 34, thirty four twenty one is that reference, even in plowing and harvest. And you know what? If you're dealing with Christians in the workplace or whatever, and they want to fuss at you, you can quote them the scripture. I'm just going to remember the Lord because God's the one causing me to prosper and be blessed anyway. All right? You know what, and the Sabbath, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That means it's a joy for you. It's God giving you a day off. That's a blessing. Days off are good, all right? Okay. All right, keeping the Sabbath, a day of rest and relaxation. We also remember the Lord by regular attendance when believers are called to worship. You know, when we come in to worship the Lord together, This is not about any individual. This is about us as a people worshiping God, hearing what God has to say and ministering to one another. It's an unselfish thing to go to church. I know a lot of times you go to church because I'm so hurting, tired, hungry, dry, drained, whatever, and I need to get filled up. I mean, we've all done that. But you know what? A lot of times you're good. You're good. But we're meeting together with other people out of remembering the Lord who called us together. Also, remembering the Lord means tithing. He says you remember him with the tithe, the first 10% of your increase. It recognizes that, thank God, you got a job. Thank God you can tithe, right? Some money came in, so now you can tithe. You know, it's so funny when people don't have a job. Then they're just, some people are like, I don't have a job. Boy, I wish I had a job, any job, because I just want to give the church. They get a job. God bless them and prosper. Next next thing you know, they're making a lot of money. That's too much money to give the church. I can't give them that much. Well, God can fix that. He can give you a job to where the tithe is what you might consider reasonable. I would rather be able to give extravagant tithes that make the bookkeeper go, are you sure that's right? That would be a lot more fun. I, I just love to get a phone call and say, did you mean to write that much? Wouldn't that be so much fun, y'all? I think we should just all do that. Let's just decide we're doing it, okay? <laughs> you know, it's not only in thankfulness for the increase he's given us, but it's also in faith for anticipation is ongoing provision. Just as we do the confession here at night, you know, we're confessing, we're believing God for jobs or better jobs, increases of things like that. You know, we're extending our faith for the future, not only gratitude for what we've already received. And then also, we remember the Lord in offerings. We give offerings out of love, out of thankfulness, or desire to help people. And offerings don't all have to go to the church. Offerings can go anywhere, you know. You can go pay for somebody's piano lessons as an offering. You know, you can send to, you know, an orphanage somewhere as an offering. You can pay somebody's car payment as an offering. Just out of gratitude, desire to help, or thankfulness to God, Right? Another thing that we need to understand about remembering the Lord, we remember the Lord when we take care of our families. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We remember the Lord by taking care of our parents and our children. If your mama or your kids are on government assistance, Make it your business to get them off. That's all. Make it your business to get them off. As God has prospered you, why should the government be caring for your family? Right? If you're not in a position yet, believe God, you're going to get to a position to where, well, maybe I don't like my mom and maybe my dad was a jerk and whatever, you know. There's something to be said for honoring the ones that gave life to you. I'm not saying you've got to put them in a mansion or something. But your mama should not be eating cat food. Right? That's, you know, this is doing right. This is, you know what, this is honorable <coughs> in the sight of God. You know, your mom should not be on, uh, your dad should not be on unemployment if, you, if it's within your means to help them. And if it's not within your means, work on it. Right? And give to your mom or your kids before you give to those kids over in Africa. Now, your tithe goes to the Lord, and that's first. But second is you take care of your family. I would have just seen too many things where people was too happy to give thousands of dollars to somebody across the country but couldn't be bothered to help their mama. It's like, folks, that's not right. The Bible says it's worse than an infidel, isn't that right? Okay. How have y'all enjoying all this preaching? Just, I could tell y'all are so thrilled with this. I must be stepping on all kinds of toes, but you know what? This is really good practical stuff because we're gonna keep you from being flaky and weird. And we're not going to have a bunch of, you know, spiritual nuts out there. Well, oh, No, we're going to take care of folks on welfare. You know, take care of folks on unemployment. You know, and if, if you're on welfare unemployment, we want to get you off. I don't think that Christians should be on the government's dole. Let that be for the unbeliever until we can get them off. But to me, it's like Christians, we need to take care of one another. I think it's a good plan. All right. I didn't think of it, but it's a good plan. We also remember the Lord, folks, when we develop character in Christlikeness. 2 Peter 1 9 says, For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. It's not enough that we tithe and give offerings and take care of family and come to church and keep the Sabbath and and all that kind of stuff. But folks, we need to be being transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that means that the characters of Christ should be growing within us. Characters like diligence and faith and moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, is what sacred Peter said. <laughs> that when people are looking at us, they're seeing the growing of the fruit of the Spirit. Because you know what? God is not glorified with carnal people. He's not glorified with people who who have anger problems. He's glorified with people who have subjected their temperaments to His Lordship. And so that more and more we're becoming like Jesus. Folks, a true disciple is not somebody that's read through the Bible and can quote scriptures. It's somebody who makes you feel like you've been with Jesus when you've been with them. There are people who can quote Bible verses, but they are just as mean as a snake. right? There are people that I've known that haven't known a whole lot of verses, couldn't quote them real, you know, real clearly. But they love the Lord and they allowed the Lord to work on their character. And when you were with them, you felt like you'd been with him or at least in the presence of an angel. Ever been around people that just make you want to pray? They don't say anything, but they just feel like you just need to go pray when you're with them. You just need to go worship the Lord when you're with them. Yeah. When we want to, as the Bible says, exude the fragrance of Christ. If you can quote verses, great, but is it the Word made flesh? Amen. I think it's time to remember the Lord. You know what? The Lord is bringing us as He's brought the children of Israel into a place of provision and prosperity. There are so many of us this year and next we're going to begin to walk in our prophecies, things that we've been hearing for a long time. And folks, I want us to take a few minutes tonight and remember the Lord. Let's take a few moments. Let's just think about all the things that God has promised. What has He promised you in the Scripture or promised you prophetically or what dreams have you had or what has He breathed into your, your heart? What, what things, by His own choice, what areas has He called you to serve and to demonstrate His kingdom and His glory? Those things that he said that he wants to do with your life. And even if you're you're not in a position where you really know what that is, I'm here to tell you, you have a destiny in God that's greater than what you thought it was. That God has a plan and intent for your life that, sur- that supersedes what you originally thought was going to happen. Because he is a master designer and he knows exactly what he has created you to do. And it's going to blow your mind. The Bible says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Because of that, let's, it's time to remember Him. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. team, would you come up, please? Father God, we have a covenant with you for your purposes, that you may confirm it in the earth. Lord, you have promised to grant us influence and favor, to prosper us, to give us wisdom. All things... Yes, we'll, we'll initially receive the benefit of that, but it's so that we may be salt and light in the earth. And we want to remember you, Lord, intentionally keep you in thought. Forget not your benefits. Father, as we think about the things you have promised, the vision, what you've laid out in front of us, it is humbling. And our hearts are like, who are we? Who are we that you would heal the sick with us? Who are we that you would speak through us? Who are we that you would use us to lead people to Jesus? Who are we that you would cause money to come into our hands, that we might build orphanages and plant churches and feed the hungry? Lord, we honor you. And we are so grateful, Lord, for all those who have gone before us to bring us to this place. We're so thankful those, for those divine associations and connections. For men and women who have come into our lives to point us in the right direction. Men and women that you've connected us with, Lord God. To cause us to become and experience greater things than we ever imagined. And we honor and we bless all those fathers and mothers of the faith... All those leaders, Lord, who have gone before us, who have stood in times of adversity when nobody believed it. And those men and women who saw our future and who saw things they spoke to within us. Those who caused us to begin to dream again. Those who talked to us and taught us of your word and your presence. And Lord, we honor and we thank you for those precious men and women. And Father God, we are grateful. We're so grateful, Lord God, that you've not set us to the side, but God, that you are actively involved in working within us, perfecting us in Christ-likeness, growing us up. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you've caused us to live an extraordinary life that will not be those people who wonder why they're here, but we will be men and women of purpose for your kingdom, for your kingdom, Lord God. And for that, Lord God, we remember you. And Holy Spirit, I ask you, Lord, that you would keep us in remembrance of your word, of your ordinances. Keep us in remembrance, Lord God, that our lives are not our own, but we've been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. Keep us in remembrance, Lord God, that we may give honor and glory to you every day of our lives you're the one that gives us the power to get wealth to confirm your covenant which you swore to our fathers Lord God let's stand up and let's worship the Lord for a few minutes he has chosen something better than we could have chosen for ourselves Choose the destiny that you have chosen for us, Lord God. Oh, we worship you, O oh Lord God. We remember you, Lord God, and we honor you. We worship you, O oh Lord.
1: Who are we, Lord? Who are we, Lord?
0: Oh, we you, Lord. oh my God is to you serve you, Lord, God. Honor and privilege, oh God. We are thankful.
1: Faithful, God. We are grateful. We're thankful, Lord. we thank thankful, Only Lord. You.